doing? Wow, that was overwhelming. How's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. Come Holy Spirit. We love Holy Spirit. Who loves Holy Spirit? We love Holy Spirit. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We bless you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Just invite him. Just say, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We love Holy Spirit. Come now, Holy Spirit. We just ask you to have your way. We wait for you. Walk in the room. (laughs) Come, Holy Spirit. We love him. We love you, Holy Spirit. I love you. I honor you. I bless you. Great revealer. Great convictor. Great helper. Great prophet. Great teacher. We love your ministry. In me. We sing this song in Kansas City. Thank you for, thank you for, thank you for your ministry. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. How I love, how I love, how I love your ministry. It's you that renews my mind. It's you that transforms my will. It's you that transforms my emotions. I love your ministry in me. Holy Spirit, we just say, we love your ministry. (laughs) We love Holy Spirit. We honor him. Is he your best friend? Is he your best friend? Is he your best friend? Then what's he saying? Because he talks to his friends. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and to them he makes known his covenant. What's he telling you? What's the Holy Spirit telling you? What's Holy Spirit telling you? He's not a the, he's a person. You don't ever ask anybody, do you know the Jesus? Because his name's not the Jesus. His name's not the Holy Spirit, he's Holy Spirit. And we love Holy Spirit. We honor him. He's not third person, he's not like second person cousin of the trinity he's not like tinkerbell or fuzzy or some kind of feeling he's god he's all of god and who in here is born of the spirit who in here is born from above then god holy spirit dwells within your spirit the fullness of the godhead dwells within you right now the fullness of love of power of patience of compassion of Glory of might and of power, all the glorious attributes of the Godhead dwelling within your spirit by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit is the great statement. Again, who in here is born of the Spirit? Holy Spirit living on the inside of your spirit. You know, that's the great statement right there that you're never going to die. You will never die. And Jesus is going to come back and finish what he started. Because the day we got born again was like D-Day. That's when the Allied troops stormed the beaches of Normandy, but that was the beginning of the end. He's not just satisfied with your spirit being reborn. 
He wants your thought life. He wants your emotional chemistry. He wants all your desires. And ultimately, he wants your body. He wants your body. We're going to receive resurrected, glorified bodies living on a resurrected, glorified earth and ruling and reigning with the Son of God. We haven't even been born yet. <laughs> the spirit of adoption. You know that verse, Romans 8, 14? We haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption. Does that just mean good hugs from heavyset guys that give us good hugs and say they're fathers? What's the spirit of adoption? It tells us it's the redemption of our bodies. <laughs> How I love your ministry. Do you love his ministry? We all talk about this person's ministry or that person's ministry. Do you love the Holy Spirit's ministry? Are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit's ministry? Is he transforming you into the very same image? Is he bringing you into his likeness? He's the glad worker. He loves his job. He loves his job of taking messed up people like us. Yes, we're children of God, but our thought life is so screwed up. Our emotional chemistry is so whacked out. Our desires are in 25 places. And he is the glad worker who is intent about bringing everything and plumb lining it to heaven. How I love your ministry. Turn with me to Ephesians 1. <laughs> I love God. Who in here loves God? I love the Father. I love the Son, and I love the Holy Spirit. And I believe that threefold message is going to bring revival to the church. The preaching on the knowledge of God. The preaching on the revelation of the Father of glory. On the Creator. On the Originator. On the Sustainer. On the Eternal Word made flesh who dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. Oh my goodness. Father, we pray tonight for this room and for more than this room. For the saints that are listening, the cloud of witnesses that are leaning down upon this evening, all the ones that have gone before us, Father, we ask you that you would release a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation upon the church of Boston. You would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation upon the church of New England. Father, we ask you to set New England aflame with the revelation of God. We ask you to set New England aflame with the revelation of God. We ask you to fill pulpits. Fill worship teams. Oh, with the proclamation. With the undiminished proclamation of the beautiful God. We declare to the principalities and powers, behold your God. <laughs> behold your God. Because all things were made through him, both which are in heaven, both which are seen and unseen, all principalities, powers, all things were made through him, and all things were made for him. Hallelujah. Release the knowledge of the glory of God upon every campus.
fill the campuses with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We ask you, God, for the release of dreams, for the release of visions, for the release of prophetic anointing, that you would release a spirit of conviction. We ask you for eternity to begin to break in upon Boston. God, let the revelation of eternity break in. Let heaven touch earth, we pray. I pray for the weight of eternity to bear down upon New England. Let the weight of eternity bear down upon New England, my God. God, I pray for a spirit of prayer that would give birth to this in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. I love your ministry. Isaiah 6. You can just write it down on your notebook. You writing it down, buddy? Yeah, yeah, you writing it down? Write it down. Write it down, write it down, right now. Oh, yeah, good. Mom's doing it. Why don't you look at it later? <laughs> Isaiah 6 says, in the year that King, you can, don't, don't go there. We're going to go to Ephesians 1 here a little bit. And you can just stay in it. It's good. Isaiah 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, saw the Lord. In John chapter 12, we actually know that it's Jesus that he saw in his glorified, resurrected state. I saw the Lord sitting high on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he saw these burning seraphim singing to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the revelation that hits Isaiah is, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm cut off. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king in his glory. What was it about the proclamation of the seraphim declaring the majesty and the greatness and the awesomeness of Jesus? What was it about their proclamation that exposed the uncleanness of Isaiah's speech? Isn't that interesting? He sees and hears them doing that, and he gets a revelation of the uncleanness of his speech. Ever wondered what that's about? It's got to be more than Isaiah having a cussing problem. It's got to be more than him having a slip of the tongue every once in a while. What's the deal with unclean speech? The issue is, is that once Isaiah heard the pure proclamation of the beauty of God, it exposed the corruption of him as a believer and as a prophet, in essence saying, I don't know who I'm talking about. I don't know how to rightly talk about him. I don't know how to rightly describe him. I don't know how rightly articulate the beauty, the glory, the majesty of Jesus Christ. I don't even know how to talk about him. And when I hear the pure proclamation, it brings conviction to my life. It's kind of like Job. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. And I put my hands over my mouth and my mouth to the dust. I am vile. I tell you right now that I believe the greatest issue of the hour is that the Lord wants to give us a new vision 
of the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on his throne in the train of his robe, filling the temple again. The revelation of Jesus Christ filling the church again. And once we begin to see the exaltation of Christ, the exaltation of the beauty of God, the majesty, the awesomeness, the power of God, when we see it exalted once again, it's going to release the true spirit of conviction that we really don't know who we're talking about. We may not even know him for real. What, were, what would happen if one of them seraphim? Because the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4 that they have eyes around and within. Can you imagine a creature with eyes? God puts those in his nearest proximity. Eyes around and within. What would happen if, they, if I have to go to, the, go to the bathroom for a second and then I, and then I say I'm going to stay over there and what would happen if one of those seraphim were to walk in here? And they were to go ahead and preach the rest of the service tonight. First thing you'd say is, honey, is he looking at me? <laughs> Can you imagine a creature with eyes around and within? Eyes. What would they preach about if they were to preach? What would they preach about? Would they tell us about three steps to better marriages? Four steps to better children? Two steps to better finances? Or would they not charm us and fascinate us with rapturous descriptions of the Godhead? And after hearing these ones talk of the beauty of Him, would we not demand of those who speak to us from this pulpit, speak to us from the mount of divine vision, or just remain silent altogether? Either talk of that which you've seen and heard or shut up. Shut up. I want to say that over my own life. Why would I speak about something that I haven't freshly encountered in my own life? I believe that this prayer of Ephesians chapter 1 is the greatest prayer of the hour. I preach it all the time because I want to see a breakout of the knowledge of God. It's what I burn for. I believe that the subject of the knowledge of God is the answer to 10,000 lesser problems in the church. Let me say that again. 10,000 lesser problems are solved when a man or a woman comes to a right understanding of God. When you come to a true understanding of what he's really like, and what he really looks like, and who you really are to him, when you begin to come to a true understanding of that, 10,000 lesser problems in your life is silenced. And we have become professionals at chasing fruit problems in our ministries, but the Lord is calling us back to dealing with the root issues. And it's the corruption and the lack of the knowledge of God. It's the arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. It's the strongholds, the fortresses of lies and half-truths that exalt themselves and that are actually fortresses to actually withstand the revelation of the beautiful God. They're actually fortresses that withstand the revelation of the glad God, the kind God, the good God, the powerful, the mighty, the righteous, and the true God. And we must begin to wage our warfare where it matters. 
You know, Laura Hackett sings that song, I don't fight as one beats the air. We're not, I feel like we're a bunch of chickens with our heads cut off, just fighting in the air, trying to take on this ancient principality or that thing or this thing. What are we fighting? What are we fighting? What are we fighting? What we're fighting over is restoring the right view of God in the church. That's the true issue. Do you believe this? Matthew 16, I just want you to write some verses down, and we're going to get to Ephesians 1. Jesus asked two questions. First one is, who do others say that I, the Son of Man, am? Why would Jesus ask that question? Because he's actually testing their heart, saying, are you basing your faith in me based on what others say about me? In other words, is, are you living your life through another? Through your pastor, your youth pastor? Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Or in other words, have you truly wrestled over who you say I am? Because he asked the second question, he goes, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Because he's either God or he's a lunatic. There's no middle ground. There's no, well, I don't know. He's a little bit of this. I kind of like this side of him. He kind of fits in the picture. He's either God or he's a lunatic. And you have to answer that. Who do you say that he is? I declare that he is Yahweh made flesh. He is the eternal word through who the heavens were made. All things were made through him and all things were made for him. All things invisible and visible, thrones, dominions, principalities, all things were made through him and for him. He is the brightness of the Father's glory. (laughs) Do you know him? Do you know him? It says in Colossians 2 that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. Do you know him? And Jesus says, after Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he goes, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is going to begin to release an overcoming, offensive, focused church? It's a church that's built on the revelation of Christ. Y'all aren't ready for that right now. Turn Ephesians 1. Let's go there. Verse 16. This is your new favorite prayer. Last year it was the prayer of Jabez. Now we're not just going to pray for enlarged territories and enlarged boundaries. Now we're going to pray for enlarged hearts. I want an enlarged encounter and experience in the beautiful things of God. I want an enlarged capacity. You know what it says about Solomon in 1 Kings 4.19, I think? 4.29, somewhere in there. His heart was as large as the sands of the seashore. Now that can get you in trouble, <laughs> like it did Solomon. But as long as you keep filling it with the beautiful things, <laughs> you'll be good. That's actually the downside of devotion. You get a large capacity. You've got to keep filling it at the same level. Because the same capacity that's filled with God, if not met, will go after the things of this world. First, uh, let's look at this, Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. This is your new favorite prayer. I want some of you to tattoo this on your foreheads. It's going to go down your neck a little bit, but just go with it. It might end up on your big toe. It's a long one, I know. 
but it's going to be worth it because you'll never forget it. Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, everybody say the God of Jesus. (laughs) He calls him the Father of glory. Everybody say Father of glory. He says that he would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He prays that the eyes, everybody say eyes, of your understanding would be enlightened and that you would know his calling, you would know his inheritance, and you would know his power. I've got a three-word paraphrased prayer for this prayer. You ready for it? God, wake me up. God, wake me up. One more time. There's no snooze button on this alarm. God, wake me up. Paul praying for believers. They've been forgiven, brought into the kingdom. And he says, good. Now you get saved. I picture salvation like this. We're in the world. We're wild. We're crazy. We get saved. It's kind of like stepping into a boat right off a harbor. But yet the boat is still connected to the harbor. We're saved, we're in the boat, but so much of our thought life, our emotions, our desires, our whole life is still so connected to the world. And what Paul is praying right here, he's asking God for this, is that the Father of glory would cut the ropes of that boat and would take you and sail you into the Pacific Ocean called the knowledge of God. And, and that you would go on a journey. Everybody say a journey. journey. Of fresh discoveries of the beauty of God. Fresh discoveries of the beauty of God. We have settled for this Christianity that lives our whole life here in the boat. Can't wait to go to heaven. It's like a 40-year-old, a big, he's got the life preserver on, hairy chest, a little overweight, and he's just sitting in the kiddie pool, and he's just going nuts in the kiddie pool. You know the water up to his ankle, and he's just going, Woo! this is awesome! Somebody comes over, there, hey, buddy, the big pool's over there. <laughs> Don't be lying to me now. I feel like that's where most of us Christians live. We live in, in this thinking that's all there is to the Christian life. I want to tell you the realm of eternity, this is eternal life. John 17, 3. He doesn't define eternal life as something that happens after you die. He doesn't define eternal life as sitting on clouds like fat babies playing harps forever. He says this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The realm of eternity is the explosion into the revelation of the knowledge of God and that you can drink of that realm, live in that realm, taste of that realm now. Do you believe that? Are we just sitting around like waiting for some day out there? We all want to go up 
in some kind of pre-tribulation rapture. And Jesus wants us to grow up. We want to go up. Jesus says, grow up. Grow up into a place that would actually call me back to the planet. <laughs> oh, another story. He calls him the father of glory. James calls him the father of lights. Hebrews calls him the father of spirits. Jesus calls him our father who art in heaven. He's the God who dwells in unapproachable light. 1 John says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Psalms 104 says that God wraps himself with light as with a garment. <laughs> in Revelation chapter 4, the apostle John is caught up to the very throne room of God and he said he shines like a jasper stone. Bright, diamond-like light shining unapproachable glory, immortality, shining, beautiful light, shining. He shines. Beloved, I want to tell you right now, he's not, he's not a little light. He is unapproachable light. He's beautiful light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. It says in the New Jerusalem in Revelation 21 that there is no need for the sun or the moon because the Lamb is the light of the city. He literally lights up the new Jerusalem and the whole new earth with his very glory. Beautiful God, shining in holiness. Not one tent of unpure motives in him. Not one hint of evil in him. It says that he cannot behold evil anywhere. There's not one hint of evil motives, no stinginess, no getting back at anybody. There's not one impure motive in the heart of God. Everything that he does is pure. It's perfect. He's beautiful. Hallelujah. He's called the Father of glory. When I stand before him, guys, I, I stand before the shining light of God that shines it says in John 1 that in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the darkness could not overcome it. Which means this light has power. Darkness cannot stand near it. The light exposes the darkness. It shines the light, and it exposes the true motives. I want to tell you that our God is beautiful. And I believe that what he's doing in this hour is he is delivering the church from the spirit of religion and he's bringing us in to the spirit of revelation. I'm going to say that again. He is delivering us from the spirit of religion and he is bringing us into the spirit of revelation. He is building containers that can house revelation. He's building houses that he can fill with his glory. Individually and corporately in this hour. Lives of wisdom that house revelation. It says those in Psalm 34 that look at him, they are radiant. Everybody say radiant. And their faces are not ashamed. You know what happened with Moses when he was on top of Mount Sinai for those 40 days and he came down? The Bible says that his face was shining 
with the glory of God, so much so that he had to put a veil over his face because he was blinding everyone that he was looking at. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 that we have a greater ministry now by the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory of God dwelling on the inside of us. And that when we behold this glory, we become, in, we become and are transformed into the very same image. Whatever you look at is what you become. Everybody turn to Revelation chapter 4. We're going to the throne tonight. I want to tell you this isn't Disneyland. This isn't some far off weird place. But when you step out of this church tonight and you look up at the sky, I want you to keep going. Keep going. No, no. Keep going. Way up above all the galaxies, there is a city called the New Jerusalem. It's 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long. The city shines with the very glory of God. Has 12 gates, 12 foundations. The very streets are made with transparent gold. And in the middle of this city is the throne room of God, the holy of holies of the city. And, in, and what we see in Revelation 4 is the picture of what that throne room looks like. And right now, right now, there is incessant worship and adoration surrounding the very throne of God right now. And we are asking for a token, for a mirror reality to touch down here in Boston. That there would be a convergence between the two realms. We're not trying to make us up into some Disneyland reality. Beloved, this is more real than the person to your left and to your right. When the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray, he goes, okay, take your prayer list and throw it in the trash. We're going somewhere. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. He takes them to Revelation 4 before Revelation 4 was seen. Because that's where Jesus came from. But that's where Jesus lived while he was on the earth. <laughs> Do you know Jesus has dual citizenship? Even when he was on the earth, he lived in heaven. He speaks, and I don't want to fry everybody right here. We're going to stick with Revelation 4. But we might as well send the buckshot straight to your heads. <laughs> you know what he tells Nicodemus? The great teacher of Israel who's questioning him late at night saying, if you do things right, Jesus, we'll put our political backing behind you and you can be on our team. Jesus, don't even play around. He goes, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Well, what do we got to do? Go back through our mother's stomach and get born again? He goes, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. Unless you are born of the spirit, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. He says, if you don't get these things, how will you believe if I begin to tell you heavenly things? He goes, if you're not getting ki kindergarten, how are you going to get it if I begin to open up second grade math books on you? And then he tells him this phrase. He goes, no one has ascended to heaven but he who has come down from heaven, and then he says this phrase, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. What you talking about, Willis? 
He goes, yeah, I'm in heaven right now. Whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. Whatever I hear my father say, that's what I say. I live in two realms. My spirit lives there, and I'm putting my hands on the things of this earth. I live in these two places. Do you live in two places? You need to because you're, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And you've been raised with him and seated together with him in heavenly places. Everybody say heavenly places. You're there. The issue is get up there. Colossians 3. Write it down. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, who in here has been raised with Christ? Okay, we got three. Okay, we got an altar call. Come on up here right now. Get saved. We're going to pull you out of death and bring you into his marvelous light. If you want to get saved, if you want to come out of death tonight, you can come out. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, this is what you do. If you're up there, take your mind, fill it with as much as what the Bible has to say about heaven. He goes, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, and he says, for you died. Do you know you died 2,000 years ago? (laughs) And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So the issue is, if we're there, it's time that we become familiar with our home, that we are citizens of the new Jerusalem. See, this just sounds crazy, doesn't it? Revelation 4. I'm I'm telling you right now, God's going to, because you believe this is right. You believe this is right. Do you understand what's actually going to call his kingdom down to the planet? It's going to be when a people lose their citizenship from only in that which they see, taste, touch, and hear and begin to get rooted in the invisible. And find their identity. The fathers of faith, Hebrews 11. Abraham saw a city whose builder and maker was God. And that's what caused him to give everything up for that city. And that is the root of faith, is the vision of the city. Do you have a vision of the city? (laughs) I don't know if I do either. But I know it's the apostolic call and it's the reality of the gospel. Revelation chapter 4. After these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. For those of us who have given our life to Jesus, I want to tell you right now, Jesus Christ is the door. And that right now you and I can enter boldly into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to ask for a permit. You don't need that easy pass when you're passing on the interstate. Well, that is your easy pass. But right now, you and I can come boldly. Everybody say boldly. You know what boldly looks like? It's the quiet confidence of a child who knows he belongs. My daughter doesn't ring the doorbell at my house unless I've locked her out. (laughs) 
Why? The, the same attitude you have around your house is the attitude we ought to have about entering into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus. The door is standing open. I want to tell you right now, the devil is a liar. He wants you living on the fringes of religion based on how good you're doing or how bad you're doing. Get over yourself. You're not that strong. It's bigger than you. Jesus has paid a higher price than how good your last week's been. He's bigger than your screw-ups and he's bigger than your successes. It's not about you. Get over it. We've made this all about how good and how great and how everything else. Beloved, it's about faith in the God who justifies really wicked, perverted, and ugly people. (laughs) It's about faith in God. But I want to tell you something right now, that he wants to awaken a vision for heaven to blow open over this 10-mile radius, over a 20-mile radius. God wants to begin to awaken a vision in the church of Boston and begin to say, heaven coming down is our portion. Heaven breaking in is our portion. He wants to create a longing saying, this is our portion. I can enter in individually by the blood of Jesus, but God wants to blow open corporate doors. He wants to blow open corporate doors. You know what that looks like? It's called seasons of revival. When a whole campus is charged with the electricity of God. Do you believe in that? We're a campus to where you cross the threshold into the entrance of the campus. And once you do, there's a conviction that's on this side of the campus that wasn't on this side. There's a tangible manifest zone of his glory. Do you believe that? God's going to awaken a vision for heaven to break in. And what this is going to do is it's going to create a Luke 11 knocking. When you get a vision of your inheritance, what's your inheritance? Heaven. And the king of glory breaking in. When that begins to get awakened on the inside of you, guess what's going to awaken? Luke 11 knocking. To him who knocks, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Doors get open. And I heard a voice saying, come up here. And I want to show you things. It's time to get our eyes open. I'm about to bring you to it. Y'all stick with me here, okay? I want you to labor with me in the word. Because I'm going somewhere. Come up here. He says, immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, I see a throne. And there's one sitting on the throne. And he who sat there was like Jasper. Diamond. But not only like Jasper, he's like Sardius. He's fire. Do you know God is not only beautiful, but he's burning? You know God is a passionate bridegroom? who will consume everything that can be consumed. He wants union with creation. God wants union with creation, and he will burn up whatever has to be burned up to have union with creation. He is a passionate, consuming fire. (laughs) But guess how God relates with his creation? Through the lens of mercy. Emerald rainbows surrounding the throne. 
And what's the clearest description of the rainbow, of the mercy of God? The next verse says, And I saw around the throne 24 thrones, and on them are seated 24 elders. They're robed. Everybody say robed. Come on, guys. Robed, throned, and crowned. Right now in the presence of God, that's what you look like. You are robed, you are throned, and you are crowned. (laughs) What's going to happen when the church of Boston believes that? What's going to happen? Somebody read verse 5 to me out loud. Read it right here, buddy. Read it. Better be New King James. <laughs> Do it loud. That's good. Lightnings, thunderings, and voices. When the church wakes up, lightnings are coming back to the church, which is the healing anointing which is apostolic preaching like lightning strikes that strikes the hardest, most resistant hearts down in a second. It's the lightning strikes of God. It says in Habakkuk 3 that in his hand, Jesus' hand, was lightning. And there his power was hidden. But not only the lightnings, but also the thunderings. Psalms 29, you want to write it down. It says the God of glory thunders. It says of Job 37 that the God of heaven thunders marvelously. He thunders. His voice is like thunders. In Revelation chapter 10, it says when the angel spoke, it said that it was like seven thunders uttered their voices. The thunders of God, it's the voice of God, the shifting voice of God. We are going to see the release. Listen to me here. When the church gets back to seated, robed, and throned, guess what's going to happen? Apostles and prophets are coming to a city near you. I'm talking about real ones. I'm talking about biblical ones. They didn't got it on their note card or on their business card. But there's thunders in their voice. There's lightnings in their voice. There's lightnings in their hands. And we're going to see voices. It actually means songs. That word voices is songs. We're going to see a singing anointing loose like no other time. The seven lamps of fire, the seven spirits of God burning before the throne of God. Seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there's a sea of glass like crystal. You know the first time I heard this? 1999, Mike Bickle gets up there and says, I'm going to preach to you about the 15 doors into the beauty realm of God. And I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? I didn't understand a word he said. I didn't. I'm like, what? What's he doing? Well, let's get practical. I need help. I need to get through some issues in my life. You know, I want to learn how to evangelize a little better, pray for the sick. Help me. Get practical. Let's talk about doors into a beauty realm. (laughs) Antiphonal singing and seraphim singing to one another. (laughs) What's that got to do with anything? (laughs) 
same thing you thought? But you know what? After 10, 11 years of making that among my main diet, it's becoming more real to me than you are right now. (laughs) And I'm beginning to get rooted and grounded into that realm of faith just a little bit. I'm I'm still in the kiddie pool. Paul says at the end of 2 Corinthians 4, we don't look at things which are seen because they're temporal. But we look at things which are unseen because they're eternal. He goes, I live in an eternal realm, and that's what makes me really useful in time and space. You want to be useful on your campus? Get up there. We hear that phrase, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You can be no earthly good to anybody unless you're heavenly minded. You are no earthly good to anybody. Well, I want to be like Jesus. Well, then let's be like Jesus. Let's live in two realms at once. Let's not see you till you're 30 then. (laughs) Now, here's the point I want to get to tonight. That was my introduction. Now I'm ready to talk to you about what's on my heart. Get get your seatbelt on. Come Holy Spirit. Sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first one like a lion, one like a calf, one like a man, one like an eagle, six wings full of eyes around and within. They do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, to him who was, is, and is to come. Their names are called the seraphim. They're called the burning ones. And they have eyes around and within. Eyes around and within. I got two questions tonight. Why did God give them all them eyes? God can do it any way he wants to, can he? It's a blank canvas, a white wall, and God says, this is how I want to do worship. I want me at the center because I'm beautiful. You know God loves himself? That's why we love him. (laughs) He's stunning. He's beautiful. And guess what God does? He has a blank canvas. He goes, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the many-eyed, weird-looking creatures the closest to me. And this is their job description. Why do you think God gave them all them eyes? This is a deep question. To look at him. To look at him. Why don't they rest day or night? (laughs) Why don't they rest? It's because he never stops breaking in with fresh discoveries of his power of his wisdom, of his love, of his mercy, of his righteousness, he keeps blowing those eyes up over and 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 over again. And they sing it the 10 billionth time as if they've never seen it at all. And it's because they've never seen him like this before. In Isaiah 6, they heard the same worship word. Holy, 
You know what that means in our language? Never seen him like this before. But you've been doing this for millions of years. I know, but I've never seen it like this before. Fresh discoveries, fresh discoveries, fresh discoveries, short-circuiting all those eyes. Fresh discoveries, fresh discoveries, fresh discoveries, fresh proclamation. Fresh discoveries, fresh proclamation. Fresh, 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 fresh. Sounds like the call of a Christian. Living in stagnant dead waters from 10 years ago. We go to somebody, you know Jesus. He looks back, no, do you? <laughs> I want fire on me. Can I, can I present something to us tonight? God is not boring. And the Bible isn't boring. You're boring. <laughs> you are. It's you. I'm sorry, but I want to come as a defense attorney for Jesus and for God and say I'm tired of putting him on trial like we're the cool ones. Because there's some cool movies where they fly around and they do things. And there's a, cu- a few video games where they do cool stuff. And technology's getting real big. God is not boring. We're boring. We have no appetite for real pleasure. We have no appetite for real fascination. We don't know what it's like to be really stunned. We don't know what it's really like to be wowed. We don't know what real fascination looks like. The real wow factor touches us. We know that those movies, they're not answering. It's like gravel in our mouths. Same movie, three million different titles. And no matter what, is coming out it ain't scratching the itch because it's not a temporal itch it's an eternal itch to be stunned and fascinated with the beautiful God he you were made by guys I want to tell you he's called Jehovah sneaky and he formed you in such a way that you would only be satisfied when you see him And he set you in between a rock and a hard place he put eternity in your heart and then he set you in the earth And he said, grope after everything. See if it answers. See if it answers. See if it answers. Are you tired yet? You tired of running after mirages in the desert? Then look up. I want to become your source of pleasure. I want to become your source of entertainment. I want to become your source of fascination. I want my word to be your entertainment. I want my word to be your joy and your pleasure and your comfort and your counsel. I want to stun you, convict you. I want to set you on fire. I want to break that funk off of you. Guys, I'm telling you right now, he wants to do it. It's what you were made for. Are we tired of eating gravel? That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. Why? Why do you think there's such a fight for the eyes of this generation? Why are we, all of us in this room, are struggling to say no to the spirit of perversion on an almost minute-by-minute basis? Why is there such a proliferation of pornography and immorality through every avenue, whether it be video games or magazines or billboards or TV? What is the issue? It's because there's a fight for the eyes. We were made to be stunned, beloved. You were made to be left like Ezekiel, stunned for days, just astonished at the river Kabar, just because... It says in the last days, young men are going to see visions of God. You know what that looks like? That's not, I saw an angel over there. 
You know, when young men begin to see visions of God, they'll look like Ezekiel. I didn't say seven seconds. Seven days. You go get your husband, come back in two days. He's still there, the freak down by the river. He hadn't said a word. Four days in, Ezekiel, talk to us, man. What's going on with you? What did you see? Ajibaba. Okay, we need more than that. Day six. Has that ever happened to you after that movie? You sit on the edge of your bed. I don't know how to explain what I'm feeling. to blow our minds beloved Psalm 34 I've been feeling it all weekend those who look to him their faces were not ashamed and their faces became radiant radiant you want to get radiant you want to get radiant you know what my favorite verse is in the Bible Revelation 22 verse 4 they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads they shall see his face, the face of God. Look at him right in the face. I want to tell you something right now. We have a pornography industry pumping out more annually than NBA, Major League Baseball, and NFL combined in this nation. $14 billion a year in this nation, around $100 billion globally. The average age of the first introduction into pornography is 11, year old, 11 years old. Every 39 seconds, another movie is being made. Every second, 28,000 viewers are online. $3,000 are being spent every second. And we're seeing the prophetic anointing rate off a generation because it's as alive in the church as it is in the world. Because religion ain't going to answer the cry of a hungry spirit for the beauty of God. Religion ain't going to feed it. Your 30-minute Sunday morning nice service ain't going to fill it. You've got to break through out of religion into revelation. I want to get a burning heart, amen? Luke 24, did not our hearts burn within us? When he unfolded the scriptures, Jeremiah 23, is not my word like fire. Those burning creatures, they're called burning for a reason because God's on fire. And everything in the presence of God burns. Daniel chapter 7, we see the Ancient of Days, head and hair white like wool. His throne is on fire. There's a river of fire that proceeds from the throne of God. This isn't make-believe, guys. This is reality. I want to be a burning one. I want to be a burning and a shining lamp. I want to be a burning and a shining lamp. I don't want to just be a shining lamp who has a big ministry. I want to be a burning lamp that nobody sees. I want to have a secret, hidden obsession that nobody sees. That you can't evaluate by how big my ministry is or how big my impact is or how many people I touch or don't touch. 
I want a burning reality that's on fire on the inside. And when I close my eyes, I go places. And when I take a phrase of the Bible, I burn. It lights me up. I just get set ablaze in the fire. Wesley says, I set myself on fire. People come and watch me burn. It's because there's easy, there's easy kindling. There's a fire. I want to live in that place. I want to guard it with holy fire. That's why I want to see a generation, 18 to 25-year-olds, start going to bed early. I'm not going to get on that right now. I'm going to tell you, aren't you tired of waking up the next morning and spending your whole quiet time repenting for what you did after 10 o'clock? Who's tired of that? Wouldn't, you like, wouldn't it be nice to wake up with a clean conscience? Except when you had those three hours hanging out with the mouse and the computer and you get to acting stupid. It's time we get out of the stupid room. It's a spirit of wisdom that's going to house revelation because you can feel revelation, you can get touched with it tonight, but unless you change your life to build him a container, you'll be in the same boat next week. It looks like go to bed early, fill your schedule, don't hang out with those people, don't watch those movies, same result. Don't do those things that excite lust in you. Stay away from that. It looks like a bat to your computer. Well, I need it for homework. Well, then get a friend that will get up in your grill. And that's what will steward the spirit of on your life. I don't know about you, but I'm a treasure hunter. And I'm selfish after holding on to as much as I can have. And I'm not going to share it nor give it away for nothing. (laughs) Amen. Let's stand. I want to tell you right now, there's so many things that are stealing the eyes of a generation. But I want to tell you something right now. This issue of perversion, I want to tell you right now, it is a demonic worship movement. You're worshiping demons. You're fellowshipping with demons. Your souls are being raped. You're losing capacity. Your thoughts that were made for holy contemplations are now filled with images and recording videos of what you saw last night. I want my mind to be filled with holy contemplations. I want to, I love Frederick Faber. The hymnist says, oh, to think the thought, to breathe the name, earth has no higher bliss. Just open up your hands. We're going to pray just for the Lord to mark us tonight. Don't want to just be a shining lamp. I want to be a burning one. Father, here we are, this remnant from New England, this remnant in Boston. Father, I pray right now that you would break open the heavens over this place. 
and that you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I pray for the very lightnings, thunderings, and voices around your throne to break in tonight. We're going to consecrate our eyes because the eyes are the window to a soul. That if your eyes are good, your whole body is good. Whatever you look at becomes images in your mind and dictates the course of your life. What are you looking at? What do you fill your mind with and your thought life with? What do you think on? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Just put your hands over your eyes. We're going we're gonna to consecrate. I believe God wants to blow open a prophetic seeing realm. I just want you to speak this straight to his heart. We're not looking for a stirring of emotional zeal, but a heartfelt cry of every one of our hearts saying, God, help. I just want you to speak straight to his heart right now. He's the, just speaking to his holy heart, the one shining and burning. Emerald rainbow, you stand on that sea of glass right now. It's where we stand by faith in Christ. Just speak to his heart. Just say, Father. Speak it to him. Say, Father. I want you to repeat it after me. I want you to hear yourself say it. Jesus didn't create the heavens by thinking it in his mind. He spoke it. I want you to say, Father. I ask you to forgive me for opening my eyes and opening my spirit to all forms of immorality, perversion, lust, and the spirit of this age. I've defiled my spirit, my body, and I've broken your heart. I have fellowship with demons. Father, I ask you to forgive me. I ask for the blood of your son to wash over me now. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I want to feel clean. In my mind, I want to feel clean. In my emotions, in my desires, and in my body, I want to feel clean. I receive your forgiveness right now. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. I receive the power of the blood of Jesus. Satan, speak to him. Say, Satan, I command you to leave my mind leave my emotions leave my will leave my body I renounce you and your ways I shut the door and in the name of Jesus now open up your hands say 
Father, I ask you to fill me with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Deliver me from boredom. Deliver me from apathy, complacency, slumber. How? Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every spirit of perversion. I command every spirit of perversion to go in Jesus' name. I command every spirit of immorality to go. Every spirit of depression to go. Every spirit of death to go. Suicide, go. Freedom, go. In the name of Jesus. Eating disorders, go. Self-hatred, I break your power in Jesus' name. Renew the right image of God in us and to us. Now open up a door right now, Lord. We draw near. The door is open in Christ. Reach to him right now. Just reach. Reach in your heart. Lift your hands to him. Receive. I tell you right now, you are a child of the living God. Open heaven over this place right now. I command every religious devil to go in Jesus' name. I command every stronghold to be broken in Jesus' name. Realm of heaven, break in. Realm of heaven, break in. Fire. Release those burning ones, God. The Lord says in Jeremiah 3 that I'm going to raise up shepherds who are going to feed a generation on the knowledge of me. He's going to raise up holiness preachers, preachers of the beauty of God, singers of the beauty of God. in your heart to be one of these shepherds. You want to be a shepherd that's going to feed a generation on him. They're going to take them. We need moms and dads to plow in the spirit to go somewhere in God.
We need a generation to lay it down for the knowledge of God. Isaiah 40 prophets that will prophesy of the one who measures the heavens with the span of his hand. If you believe you're one of those shepherds, I want to ask you right now, come up here. We want to pray for you right now. Just come. Just want to press. Just come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come. All the way, all the way, all the way. Just make lines if we can have some help. Now just say, open my eyes. I want to see you like I've never seen you. I want to hear you like I've never heard you. I want to see what Isaiah saw. I want to hear the pure proclamation of the holy, holy. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, come. 